Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. Most people think the best you can do with insecurity is mask it, manage it, or medicate. I'm convinced this is a problem that can be solved for good, and that's what this show is all about. Join me for weekly 10-minute Tuesday episodes, live coaching demonstrations, and world-class interviews on the subject of overcoming insecurity. Now on to today's show. Hello again, folks. You're with Jamin on the Insecurity Project. Today, my guest is the one and only Ronsley Vaz. Super excited to have Ronsley with us today. Ronsley is the founder and chief energy officer of Must Amplify, the founder and chief product officer of We Are Podcast, the founder of Library of Sound, and the executive producer of the Psychology of Entrepreneurship, and a whole kind of other things. He's done a TED Talk, he's written books. He's uh, had a very successful podcast with over 5 million downloads. So uh, there's so much to talk about, Ron. So I'm just so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I, you know, I love, I love doing, I, I love being on other people's shows. I love um, uh, the whole experience of being interviewed. So this is a, an absolute treat for me. Uh, it's the, it's the other way around. I think for me, I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, let's let ask me things that i've not thought of before so yeah absolute pleasure thanks for having me okay ask you things you haven't thought of before great that, that's a good challenge um so i'm going to take you back to the beginning because i find that people's backstory is often the thing in their mind about the reason why they think they can't succeed or if i'd had an easier life or more loving parents or this had happened or that had happened or that hadn't happened then i'd be fine but uh, so i love hearing a, a wide range of backstory um to see where you started and what you did with what you were given at the beginning. So tell us about what it was like growing up in your family, the role your parents played in kind of shaping your sense of self and what you were given at the beginning. Tell us the start. Um, so I know, you, I know you told me that, that this was coming, but I didn't really think of the answer. And it, it's really fascinating because I love being in the moment and feeling what comes through. And what, what comes through for me is uh, I was really lucky really absolutely lucky i i even say that a lot that there's a there's a parable in the bible jamin uh, and i'm not i'm not <laughs> i was brought up catholic but i'm not religious in any way but there's a parable in the bible about these people that were given this one coin and three coins and five coins and you know the person that's you know does this you know with five coins doubles it really that's the moral yeah. of the story I feel like I've been given 50. I've been feel I feel like I've given way more than than I should have been given in the sense that I was lucky that I had loving parents, have loving parents, they're you know still around. Um and uh it it allowed me to just I suppose study. That's what they cared about the most, like you know, being literate. Um and figuring out myself, I suppose, you know, like, um, I was allowed to do that, even though I didn't really fit in anything. So I was this, I was in all the sports teams, and I was in the debate and elocution and, you know, general knowledge, I was the captain of the elocution team. And so it was just this interesting mix. I didn't fit in the geek section, I didn't fit into the sports people section, it's right, this was right from school, right? But it's only like after all this time that I can like express that. So I think I had a great life. I think I was lucky. I think I was blessed. Um, I think I really learned 
uh, to be an entrepreneur after I got my first business failed. And I think that's probably the time I, I really had, I just got married, I suppose. So there was another element of being, you know, uh, three months from being married and, and having $478,000 of debt. So I think that part was really a new definition for me because I think that was my first proper adversity, even though I still don't think of it as adversity, but that's the thing that I feel that was a testing phase, right, <laughs> in my life. So, yeah, pretty lucky. Uh, saying all that, uh, there was a period that I didn't talk to my parents for three years. Uh, after being married, there was this, uh, you know, the, it was really fascinating. So I'm just getting to a point where I've had to develop myself to be the healing person that heals my wife's side of the family. And it's this really interesting journey for me now that I'm the person that brings all these these two families together, like really together, like we see each other every day together, which is weird because they're in a different country. So uh, yeah, I saw I saw a post that you put about uh, exercising with your in-laws uh, every day uh, on Zoom. So yeah, amazing that you've got that uh, that healing role in that family. Um, yeah, family is such an interesting place to explore because uh, they're the people we watch, they're the people we we learn from, they're the people who help us form our beliefs about ourselves. So it sounded like the blessing of loving parents who gave you confidence, gave you resources, the ability to go and be the person you wanted to be and that then led you to take risks early from the sound of things but then then the first adverse adversity, which you don't really call it that, but the business failure. So Take us, take us through what it was like to kind of have your first nosebleed or your first uh, kick in the guts to have started with confidence to go, oh, okay, there's a few challenges here. And what did you learn about yourself in the process? And uh, how did that shape you for the next venture? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and you can kind of look back and create great stories. So I, I want to put that in perspective um, because... I don't think that anything that I've done, I've kind of like thought through that far ahead necessarily, you know, um, I have backup plans for in case things don't go the way it should in, in immediate circumstances, but I'm not the kind of person to kind of go, I have this big project plan. It's going to go exactly that. I'm not that sort of person. So I was pretty lucky and blessed in that way. Um, and, uh, I think everyone said to me, monetize my passion. And I've cooked for some of the most famous people on the planet. I'm not even joking, like famous politicians, actors, entrepreneurs now, like, so it's been a thing. I've made people cry eating my food. It's weird to say that, but that's the thing. <laughs> so, um, I always thought of myself as a nine to five person and I had a, you know, a job. And, and when, when, when I realized I had to open a business, it was like, okay, monetize your passion, start a business, start a, start a restaurant, right? So that was my first business was a restaurant, but I was learning to be a business owner on the job. I thought I was learning to be a chef because <laughs> I, <could all, laughs> I could cook. Right. So yeah. I 
got my chef degree. So I paid uh, my a head chef and part of his role was to like, you know, make sure that I was a qualified chef. So I got my, my, you know, but, but what I was really learning was to be a business owner, to be a, an entrepreneur, like, so, um, learn things like team, learn things like operations, learn things like culture, learn things like marketing. And, and even though I had an MBA and I, uh, at the time, you know, it didn't really prepare me for that. So I think that was my four years of learning to be a business owner, to be an entrepreneur, to be, to learn all the other elements. Uh, and the hardest thing with that was Jamin was that I started with negative 200 odd grand because I had to invest all this money to even open my doors. Right. Mm. So, uh, that was, that was the biggest lesson I learned was, um, first find the market, then make the thing because in the process of, you know, having $478,000 of debt is you get really creative with stuff. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to fast forward and say that I had a, I had a chefing business where chefs would plug in from one end. They would go to people's homes and cook food for them. And we, they would put the food in their freezer in the fridge and freezer and in the Google calendar. So they just had all their food sorted and these chefs would be part-time didn't, didn't have, you know, didn't have all the hours done. So it worked really well. They would get paid. These guys would, would want that kind of service. It was called bond appetite. And I started a podcast to kind of give people the idea that everyone has a food emotional story. And my, the famous question I would ask on the show is what were your earliest and fondest memories around food? And I've heard the works, right? I'm 1400 Mm. interviews later today. I've done over 1400 interviews. So I, I've heard everything and I, I think I hear everything, but every time I do another one, I'm like, oh shit, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I learned, um, I learned a lot. I learned uh, how much I needed to be validated by people, um, but that comes with time. That's not something very simple to expose. That's not something that, yeah. So it comes with time. It comes with success. It comes with a, a relative feeling of confidence to actually even go into that area. And that's something, this is something I've never thought of or said before. And that's why I love these things because I'm literally hearing this for the first time. So I'm going, Oh, that's interesting. That's the way I think about it. So um, my learnings from that point have been amazing because um, Rochelle, I learned I learned my wife taught me how to borrow her confidence because I did not have that at the time. Um, and I learned how to use that, build from that, to get my own build from scratch because I was shattered, right? I, I Everything is was put into this. My in-laws were losing their mind going, what the fuck? Like three months married, what have you got my daughter into, right? And my parents are going, just go get a job, Ronsley. You've got two master's degrees. Why aren't you going? Why? Why? And not that I didn't get a job. I got a job just as a chef. 
they <laughs> when it went back to the kitchen is really interesting because I felt like I still needed to learn that mm-hmm. I get money, but still learn that. So, Jamin, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think I've learned so much and I continue to learn and every day is a new learning curve for me. So well, tell us the step into the learning about yourself. And I'm really fascinated by that that line, borrowing your wife's confidence. Um, you know, one of the things that I've thought a lot about in terms of overcoming insecurity is that uh, insecurity at its most precise is an opinion problem. Um, and when you're really clear, it's just it's just your own opinion of yourself. That's the mechanics of what's really broken down. You have a low opinion. You form some opinions based on past failures, mistakes. And so, so while other people can have opinions that are nice to hear or painful to hear, ultimately, at some point, you've kind of got to resolve your own opinions of yourself. So I'm fascinated by the process of kind of borrowing your wife's confidence until you found your own. Can you... Can you step us through that, how, how that happened? If you're just reflecting on it now, um, how yeah. her confidence then led to your own? Yeah, so there, there were things like, for example, we both did the Key Person of Influence program. So this is a very specific example. Um, <laughs> so during the time of going through the debt and pay, having the debt, I still had a job at this time, by the way, um, and... Uh, a friend of mine needed a website done and I did, I did her website and I said, you know what? I did it so quickly because I've got a master's in computer engineering. I can build a website in my sleep. Right. So it's, it's like, it's anyway, the point is that I did it for Sammy and I said, nah, you know, you're starting off. I don't need the money. I did it quickly. Anyway, she bought me a ticket to the brand accelerator. And she got me the VIP thing. And we both went to the one day event that happened in Brisbane. This is 2013. Yeah. And, um, and I finished the day and I booked in for the next session, did the two hours. And then Rochelle asked me, I think that, that, that day after I got back, she's like, um, how did it go? And I told her, I was excited. I was like, this is, this is all that stuff. And I said, but we can't afford it. You know, like, we didn't, we didn't have money. We didn't have money. Like it was negative. Right. So yeah. So it was like, uh, and she said, no, you're signing up. We'll find the money. <laughs> what, how lucky do I got to be to have that happen? Right. It could have gone how many different ways. And I go, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's proper good luck. And then that that is a proper sign and she because of her i signed up to kpi and now they use me in in their slide deck. they do of course yeah. and that's how i came across you you know i'm i'm in kpi a few years later but one of the the key ideas of kpi one of their philosophies for those who are not familiar with their process um, glenn carlson and and Daniel Priestley is that you're sitting on a mountain of value. You really are. You just are speaking the wrong message to the wrong people in the wrong way. You you haven't created product around it. <laughs> you know, you're not partnered with anyone who has your clients. Um, your pricing's all wrong. There's there's a bunch of structure we can create and to help you position that. So so again, your wife's confidence was not just let's spend some money on some course. So your wife's confidence was Ronsley, it's true. Um you are sitting on a mountain of value and you mightn't be able to see it like I can see it yet, but I, I can, I believe that this is true. And if you could understand that value and capitalize on that value and harness that value, this investment will change both our lives. 
so I got goosebumps listening to that because I've that's I've never heard that version. You know, I it's, oh, really? yes, that is yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, her, like her belief in me has been absolutely insane, uh, and it, it 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 is really emotional to think that someone could, you know, like if you had a track record, it's different. Like if yeah. you've done this before, it's different. Right at the time, it was my first first business and it was just learning i still I, I literally i was thinking to myself Fuck, i'm not cut out for this shit like what you know i've lost my money i've lost other people's money what the fuck am i doing like why and and when the restaurant shut i had 12 people that i had to say hey from tomorrow sorry this is done so um you know that's all that has baggage and and a lot of baggage to the point that when someone knocks or you that used to be the case and that there's it's still i remember all the debt collectors because we were we were three days from eviction we had a seven day eviction notice i was like i don't know how we're gonna this house is gone right now we're gonna find a way to like i don't know rent or like i'm gonna lose everything in this house and then three days before somehow the universe provided just enough that was needed. Same thing happened with the car. Um, people were outside the door to take the car away. And I was like, oh shit, what do you, what do you mean take the car away? <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know, the universe is always provided. I've been extremely lucky, Jamin. I think that that has been the best thing for me. Um, but I have to give my mother credit because Anytime, anything, anytime anything happened to me when I was in school, didn't matter. I, I was in a lot of trouble, a lot, a lot of trouble. She would first make sure that I took responsibility for being there and being present in that moment before I blamed anyone for why I did something. And I think that one thing has helped me see everything as, oh, this is my responsibility. Who, who else can I blame? There's no one else to blame, right? So that has been a huge understanding over 40 years. <laughs> mm. Amazing. Um, now, in, in, in this podcast, on my style, I've taken a lead from Tim Ferriss. I, I love his skill set around deconstructing excellence, and I love the way his interview style and, and his writing style because he's kind of got this engineering brain that goes, Here's someone who succeeded at a world-class level and, and perhaps they haven't fully understood how they got there themselves. Um, it's my job if I can understand it so I can model it and deconstruct it and reproduce it. So, so I've got a few more, few more questions for you, Ronsley, because you have succeeded at a, at a pretty inspirational level in a bunch of areas and you've, you've talked about your, your mother's influence and your wife's influence and you know, the joy of a, of a wife or a, a partner who believes in you and who sees the best of you and knows the challenges and, um, you know, thinking about my own wife and what I'll put her through and, and how she's, she's the one that consistently goes, you know, it's going to be okay uh, when I lose faith. But, but at some point you've obviously found faith in yourself. At some point you've obviously found enough grit and determination in your own ability to look yourself in the eyes and to uh, 
give yourself certainty and confidence. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't have been possible to continue to evolve and adapt to, to create a, a TED Talk. You don't just get given that opportunity just because you got some value. You've got to have understood your own value and be able to communicate that. You don't have so many people listening to your podcast without you understanding that you are sitting on something very worthwhile that people are finding great benefit in. So, so I want to understand a bit more about how you did it. How did you internalize confidence so that you were able to continue to evolve as a human being? Ooh, um, I think I was always trying to prove something initially, for sure. Like it wasn't, this wasn't like a noble path that I chose to any stretch of the imagination. So um, I think initially it was, look, I'm a success or like, like, how do I prove that I'm a success? Like, and, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you why, because like in 40 years, I've got I have seven careers, like a software engineer, financial advisor, soft, I've taken two companies to ISO 9001 uh, accreditation restaurant or a chef like when i say i'm talking about proper <laughs> careers right and on that list is i've been a best man for seven people like um this is in 40 years I, I, and and i can't I, I i i look at the list and go how can someone do that and i don't know i i don't i genuinely don't know i think that I was just trying to get the next thing. And now I'm appreciating that it is getting, that it's done. So I just feel like I was a constant learner. I loved the idea of like picking up a new skill. I felt like I was a superhero if I learned a new skill, like it was a new talent. So I, I've DJed for like thousands and thousands of people. I've played on stage the guitar. I've like I've done all. I've climbed in four continents. Rock climbed faces that very few people even go on. Like when I think about the shit that I've done, Jamin, I'm like, <laughs> what? And 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 I think and I think somehow I don't know. I feel just. I don't know, I feel blessed and lucky to be able to have the opportunity to like, you know, I think it's because my parents had that base, maybe I could go and attempt the jump and feel like I could jump. Because I had my wife, I feel like I could take that jump. And, and um, you know, sometimes we, what not sometimes, even though all that has happened, this is, I think, what I feel like I still lack the capabilities in is asking for help when I need it. And I feel like if we can learn that or if we can teach that or we, if we can become a student of that, at least the next generation can ask for help when required rather than feel like they're alone because, holy shit, the entrepreneur journey feels like it's you're alone, but it's happening to every single person whether and i've interviewed people entrepreneurs on death row i've interviewed interviewed entrepreneurs 9 10 11 figure entrepreneurs all of us all of us have the same 
insecurities, same worry, same kind of drive to be better, to be, to, to, to take the next step. Oh, I've got this platform. What can I do with it? Beautiful. Um, I'd, I'd love to understand some of the things you've learned from the psychology of, of entrepreneurship, that podcast you've done. I, I watched that manic trip around the US interviewing some incredible characters in a very short space of time and then seeing you in on oxygen in a wheelchair afterwards went, Ronsley dug deep. He went hard and fast and now he's going to rest for the next six months. No, dude, I was in a wheelchair off to a speaking gig in Thailand <laughs> Lucky I had three days to recover, but with fever, I had to give that, give that session. But yeah, you're right. Uh, thank you for reminding me of that. It was <laughs> a fucking epic ride. Yeah. Um, but before I get you to tell us any of the things you learned about that, uh, I have this idea and it's probably, it's definitely not unique. I wonder if you agree or not. Uh, do you think every adult is on a trajectory toward entrepreneurship? Do you think it is the natural path for humans? If, if every human is uniquely gifted and talented, do you think, the natural manifestation of that is in an entrepreneurship way that, that ultimately if you spend your life serving someone else's vision, making someone else rich, doing someone else's thing that on some level that's a waste. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Well, on the show, I say this a lot, um, that I believe mothers are the original entrepreneurs. Mm. And I genuinely believe mothers are the original entrepreneurs because mm. they have to package. If they fail at what they do, someone dies. Right. That's if there's no other way to express that. And they have to become whoever they need to be, the hug giver, the chef, the driver. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the fuck they need to be to make sure that this this pit this kid has got value and gives that to the world. There's no other better definition of entrepreneurship. Mm. And and if I look at it that way, if I think about the amount of mothers and artists and entrepreneurs that are like are not valuing themselves from a monetary standpoint because just society has not allowed us to expand that thinking i believe mothers should get paid for what they do like like anyway that's the different story the point is it depends on your definition of entrepreneurship yeah sure yeah yeah and and sometimes entrepreneurship for people is business exchange with it is totally is uh, sustainability of your art and craft is part of the whole thing. Um, but I wish, um, yeah, I wish more people understood that they were already doing entrepreneurial things in their life. Yeah, yeah. great, great, great distinction. Okay, so tell us some of the highlight learnings from that, well, from the podcast and from those interviews about the psychology of entrepreneurship. What's, what's stood out to you so far? Well, lots of commonalities, right? And um, I, I, I wanted to. This psychology of entrepreneurship was everything that I learned really from doing all the interviews before, and I didn't want to do another just interview type show. I wanted to make it like a catalog that our clients could look at and say, "Hey, I want something like this." So, mm -hmm. um, I interviewed people in person before COVID, um, and. Got, time, got, got to spend time with them, which, you know, I believe was my biggest, if some people think, oh, well, it was the ROI. is like <laughs> the energy exchange from being in the vicinity of this human for 
you know, 90 minutes used to be the minimum time. Uh, but a lot of the time it used to be four hours because we used to have lunch. And then because they would feel like, oh, you come from Australia to interview me, right? <laughs> so, and then I would approach these people who probably might have said no. Uh, maybe, maybe they would have said no, I think. But because it was psychology of entrepreneurship, they were entrepreneurs. You know, I got like, I saw some crazy stuff like going to Tuckermax's house in Austin. For example, my wife, Rachel, and I went there and we were knocking on the door and then someone opened another door from that side. And it was a gigantic, massive house and Tucker opens the door and he goes, dude, that's just a guest house. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so um, uh, what I learned is that we're all so, so same. Um, bias is probably the first thing we need to worry about or care about or, or look at because I think you mentioned this briefly before, but the thing that can literally make the biggest difference to anyone in any situation of downtime is perspective shift. Anytime you're down and you feel low and you feel like, oh, one small perspective shift will will like will be time is irrelevant in that in that in that scenario right so allowing perspective and seeing where your biases are what you defend why do you defend those things why do you feel so strongly that you would not see another side of the story mm -hmm. um i think that bias is the first thing entrepreneurs need to worry about and um the other thing is it doesn't matter how <laughs> successful you are like like we've not we i mean the the agency it's not me anymore the agency has you know done this stuff for like really some of the most i don't know people that have been everywhere right like actors that have got academy awards emmy awards even these people think Oh, what should I say? And will that be a good thing to say out loud? So my point is, we are all the same. And it's ridiculous that we think that we, we are alone on this journey. Mm. And we're not when everyone's kind of in, going through their own personal development in, in it in their own way. Mm. Uh, you did a you did a TED TEDx talk, which is now TED talk about uh, the recipe for deep conversations. So I imagine some of the, the beauty of your learnings with these entrepreneurs came out of the overflow of your skill set around deep conversations. Can you can you tell us, give us a, a snapshot about what that recipe for deep conversations is and, and how you came to learn that? So I don't, I don't, I think sometimes I being grateful for how the pieces came together uh just blows my mind like literally i i having a tedx talk was not my dream it was a friend's dream and we were we were writing goals together and i was like oh yeah i'll do a tedx talk <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and every, so this is a this is a practice that i do every year the end december end week usually the 31st of december i write a letter to myself in the future so a year from now i'm ronsley a year from now and i'm grateful for the last year and i write a whole bunch of shit so in that letter 
I wrote in July, I'm going to do it, my TEDx talk. It was amazing. It was great. Like I was so lucky. I, and, and, and I did it locally because that was something I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to like, you know, go to some random place and, and do a TED, TEDx talk. So dude, August, August, I like, I, I can't even imagine like it was, I, I'm one of the few people and I thought they would give it to anyone. And after me, obviously a lot of people in the KPI world and other places applied to go, oh yeah, it must be simple. And they rejected them all. So I was like, what? Maybe I'm special. <laughs> and I'm still learning that. And I'm still appreciating the that. And I can't believe that they gave me that opportunity. So I spoke about having deep conversations because what I learned the most about podcasting is that I was a shitty listener. Hmm. And, and I think I learned to listen better and I'm still learning to listen better. And the thesis of my TEDx talk um, is just that if you have a, want to have a deep conversation, it's not about getting a point across, which everyone thought for the first 11 minutes. And in the last 30 seconds, I'm like, it's really about you listening. If you really want to have a deep conversation, that's how you do it. So um, I'm just blown away because in 2020, my, my, so I'm from Goa in India. My, uh, the, the TEDx Goa sent me an email or a message on Facebook actually, and said, we'd love for you to speak at TEDx Panaji in Goa. And, um, we've never had a TED, TED speaker before. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just a TEDx speaker. And they're like, no, you're a TED speaker. I'm like, no, dude, like, just look at the thing behind is an X. And they send me the link. And I, and I got goosebumps right now because I was just, I was like, how did this happen? Um, so I don't know. I'm, I just feel, I feel I, I scratch my head too. Like, I mean, like, you know, I, that's the way I feel genuinely. I'm like, I'm just so lucky to be on this, this, this goddamn trip. Thank you for letting me do these things because, you know, um, I've experienced a lot. Uh, just the joy and, and wonder and uh, lightness with which you refer to yourself and your journey. It's so refreshing. Um, people, people take themselves very seriously and there's, I even think about my own journey, my my desire for success sometimes manifests as real striving in it and it has a harshness to it, sometimes has a desperation. It's like, ah, oh, I'm just so trying to achieve. Uh, and, and every time I I rest and find joy and play and, and gratitude, um, it's a very, very different experience of life and it's a much more open place to live from. So um, how, how important has has intentional personal development been for you along the way? Is it something that you you do kind of just as it happens or are you, you structured around how you grow as a human being? Oh, well, I think this is really important, I probably for the story and the context of the story, because one of the things I did to get myself out of the rut of the, of the debt was I started to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. So 4.29 was my thing. And as a result, uh, I interviewed Hal Elrod because his book, I kind of like really started to do some of the practices in his book, like mm -hmm. 
silence, exercise, you know, yep. that, that morning. The morning then, miracle. The morning miracle. And mm. and and it's crazy because now Hal Elrod is a friend. He's his contact in my phone. He spoke it via podcast. <laughs> that is just what? What? Um, <laughs> um, but the point I'm making is I think that that is probably the thing that changed. The, the reps that I got by doing that has changed. So like, yeah, I mean, there are day, times that I don't meditate for a while, but I can sit in silence in a room for an hour. And I've gotten myself to a point to be in silence instead of meditation for an hour. And when I first started, I couldn't even do it for two minutes. Mm. So I feel like that has helped like in leaps and bounds. Um, my mother was telling my wife the other day that um, she's thinks that I'm 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 extremely patient that I've ever be, she's ever seen me. And my wife goes, "So do you want me? Do you want to thank me for that?" And I'm like, <laughs> every opportunity for you to take the limelight. Um, but you know, I I think that that for me that that was such a cool moment to like, huh, that's. It's interesting for, for people to say that because um, that means that in, that in a crisis situation, my family can now trust me to be calm. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> you know, I don't know where I'm going with that, Chairman. Sorry. Well, the, the Morning Miracle is an extraordinary book. And what I love about frameworks is I, I think the best ones are elegantly simple. I think that. You don't even have to be perfect at practicing. If you just find some stuff that actually works and practice it semi-consistently some of the time, it actually gets inside you. And, and there are miracles that are created out of that, just the, the practice of being silent, being mindful, exercising, reading, writing, um, and combining those at the beginning of a day in some order, some shape or form. It's a, it's a dramatic thing. And that was the wonder of his book. He kind of deconstructed excellence went oh look at this there's some common patterns of people who succeed seem to start their days like this i wonder if i could deconstruct make a model it i could do it you could do it um you're 100 right actually so i followed that framework because it got into my head that if i could repeat what others did mm. so and that was the thing so if i could make one change what would it be and i literally made that change so i still today i woke up at now it's even earlier 359 so uh, and and it's it's i promise you it's life-changing i'm not weird yeah it mm. really is life-changing mm, wow have there been any other books that have been standouts for you uh in the last 10 or 20 years that you gift regularly or recommend people must read yeah I was, i'm trying to look around because i think it's downstairs <laughs> but uh one of the books that i have read the most is the obstacle is the way by Ryan Holiday. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, like when I say the most, I'm talking like 17 times, maybe <laughs> different forms. Yeah. Um, the in next, I'd say six or seven times would be um, letting go is another great book by David, Dr. David Hawkins. Uh, um, like brilliant, brilliant book on energy. Um, that's my next and my new favorite that I, that I've just read once and I'm, I'm going to recommend to all my guy friends is King warrior magician lover. Oh my God. What a book. 
Uh, so, yeah. so literally, I'm I'm only like uh, two weeks exposed to that. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, those are my favorites right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the book that you wrote, tell us about that. <laughs> well, when I we went through the Keep Person of Influence program, right? And at the time, I wrote the book on food and fuel and how we could, you know, fuel our intentions and our goals as entrepreneurs and that book went to the editors twice and it's still in my inbox it never got published uh, uh -huh. it, was called, it was called fuel but when amplify happened so i did we are podcast 2015 it was the first podcasting conference in australia mm -hmm. um in 2016 i had the idea for the agency which was like uh to do podcasts for other people and i was like i'm first going to get my 10 beta clients that was my first thing that i did so glenn carlson was one of them who paid us and they got a crazy deal i was like this is the beta deal you your grandfathered in for life if you think it's a good idea this is where you sign up i had eight clients and glenn called me and he said i was, remember i was in ballarat and said, hey, uh, one of my mates would really could really use what you're doing. What's the name of your company again? I'm like, Glenn, I'll call you back. <laughs> and I Googled powerful verbs. This is a true story. <laughs> in, in, a, in a motel in, in Ballarat, powerful verbs. I did not get to be. Amplify sounded perfect as to what we were doing. Yeah. Called him back. It's called Amplify. And this was a Saturday. Uh, so I we had to go. Uh, uh, I. I we were there for a christening actually and and then um i got back and tried to register the name amplify obviously was taken so then i registered must amplify and this was after 10 clients eight clients i had a name which was amplify mm. and my book came out of me in six weeks like I had nothing to do with the book. I had only, only that, that's, that's just mind blowing, right? Like think that the last book took like a year and a half or whatever, <laughs> and it still didn't get published. And this just everything came out in like uh, six weeks. Andrew Griffiths, I have to give him credit. Um, the book coach, the book mentor, yeah. I, if not for him, it probably wouldn't have come out that because he deconstructed the way that an author could get their stuff out. And that helped me obviously. So give credit where credit is due. Um, and so that book is basically what we implemented in. So the Amplify framework has been implemented in thousands of businesses. That is mental. Mm. And whether it is a one-on-one, -on -one, whether it was in a group through the We Are podcast thing, or whether it was people doing my trainings, my in the in the you know DIY format or in the group thing, that is crazy. So I just put the format together and said, hey, if you're a business and you want a podcast and you want to have voice to your brand, so your customers or your prospects could hear what you care about before they even bought from you this is how you do it so that's what it is that's what the agency was built on that framework it works every time um and now even more than ever i'm i'm so confident of 
attention engagement sales that's exactly what everyone needs to get their marketing sorted for their business so yeah amazing where can people find out more about that framework that you created where's the best place for them to go to see that well the best place if you're a business owner and you have a podcast is to go to roadmap.wearepodcast.com there's an entire roadmap depending on what revenue you're at in your business what to focus on how to so here's the here's the thesis any business needs attention engagement sales to convert their marketing right so a podcast is the deepest form of engagement that you can get in any form of content because people are listening to it while they're doing mm -hmm. other things everything else you got to stop what they're doing to consume audio is just deep engagement so the, your job is to create attention pieces to people who don't know you so that they can engage with you and then they can buy from you right so you just have so this roadmap will show you how to get their deepest engagement to create their perfect attention to get the new clients and then a method to sell so that this is a this is a, this is a thing that i love about the method to sell is that as a business owner if you do not have a method to sell people will use their method to buy and that is usually price comparison so that is how we take care of those three elements and the podcast is by far obviously the most valuable piece so um roadmap.wearepodcast.com just go download that it should be self you know there's a video at the end so you can like show you how to use it as well and we've got a diagnostic so if you want to go further and figure out how much attention engagement sales you have mm. just follow the links there's a diagnostic and, and i can answer that yeah amazing uh you can just even the way you talk about it it just it's like you can see through the matrix what looks so complicated for people and they're trying how do i make this work you're like whoa just <laughs> just ones and zeros it's all i can see it's all very simple um, it's true <laughs> it's beautiful and beautiful that it's I, like, I love the story about you know nine different careers so this is just one of the iterations of you showing up to life having fun exploring understanding the gift you've been given and solving problems for people uh, and having fun doing so so uh, it's just exquisite to hear that because i think people often get locked into one way of being one one story one character they've developed one problem they've solved one thing that's worked now they've got to be that forever like well not sure that's exactly true in fact if you think about seasons no, no season stays the same forever seasons keep changing and if you can keep updating and growing with the seasons you have a much more fruitful experience of life and I don't think, and I don't think anyone can control life. And I think that's the illusion. Mm. The illusion is that we think that if we get all, if we do all these things, if we meditate, if we get all our reps in, that we can control life. That's not what it is. It just prepares us to deal with the uncertainty of life better. Mm. That's it, right? And it's gonna change. It's gonna constantly change. And a lot of the times, especially if you're a parent, and, and we are not yet parents um but for parents especially um your kid is looking at you at the universe challenging you to take the next step every time and um imagine what would do for to their confidence um if they could see you do it so um i don't have kids yet but that's what i think about <laughs> you know um so yeah that's um, a, uh, a beautiful distinction and, um, and a good place to leave the conversation and, unless there's anything that you think 
uh, would be good to add. Any any final thoughts? Um, no, sir. Thank you for having me. This has been. I love being in the moment, right? And I was in. I was always in the moment um, with on, on on this podcast. So thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> it's a joy and i'm sure people will find all kinds of interesting benefits from this i'm sure this will be a conversation that lingers with them and surprises them and sneaks up on them and there's some stuff that kind of percolates as a result of just who you are and and what you embody so sincere gratitude from the insecurity project and all our listeners thank you thank you for you've been listening to the insecurity project podcast All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity.